Good morning, Nachum. Good Arab Shabbos, everybody. Tomorrow we have the privilege of reading Parshas Truma. Parshas Truma, according to the Chinuch, contains three mitzvos, two positive and one restrictive. And let's understand something. The parsha itself is dominated by the first of the three mitzvos, namely, V'asuli Mikdash V'shochanti B'socham. God says, make for me a home, a sanctuary, and I will dwell in their midst. The concept of a home for God is a most challenging one. After all, one of the 13 basic principles of our faith, as codified by the Rambam, and in fact, it happens to be his third of the Anima Min, I believe with perfect faith that God ain't lo guf. Ain't no guf. He literally is not physical and lo yasiguhu masigeha guf and is not affected by physical phenomena. Man needs a home. Man needs a place to sleep, a place to eat. God doesn't eat and doesn't sleep. He doesn't need a home. So the first thing we have to understand is that while, yes, we are building a home dedicated to Him, as the verse says, for Asuli Mikdash, you are to make me a sanctuary. And Rashi teaches on the word Li for me, Lishmi. They are to make a home for my sake that is dedicated, intertwined with man's total devotion and intent of creating sanctity in this place. And that's an interesting point. Just like a Sefer Torah is the holiest object that the Jewish people have, and after all, how is the Torah imbued with holiness? The answer is, it comes from a scribe who, prior to writing in the Sefer Torah, he clearly articulates and says, I am about to fulfill the mitzvah of writing for the sanctity of a Sefer Torah. Similarly, man invests Kedusha, sanctity, into the sanctuary of God, and God in turn reciprocates by causing His presence to dwell therein. But the most important point that we must say at the outset is that God does not need the home. Man needs a home for God. Why might we need the home? So for that, there's a basic machlokes between the Ramban and Rashi as to why there is this command to build a sanctuary for God. According to the Ramban, it's really positive, namely, that after we had the last two weeks, the revelation at Sinai, and then the mishpatim that follow in last week's parsha. now that we are moving away from the mountain, we can't take 
the mountain with us, so we take a portable sanctuary which personifies the mountain. And just as the mountain was where God spoke to Moshe and the Jewish people, here too in this mikdash, in the sanctuary, God will continue his communication with Moshe and the Jewish people. As it says in chapter 25, Pasuk 22, Literally, I shall set my meetings with you there. I shall speak with you from the top of the Aron, from between the Kruvim. So according to the Ramban, the Mikdash is an extension of Sinai, perhaps a portable Sinai. According to Rashi, the Mishkan, the Mikdash, was not given to the Jewish people as a command until after they sinned with the golden calf. They're showing that they needed something physical in order to relate. And therefore, Hashem said, you asked for it, you got it, the osuli mikdash, let there be a mikdash, vishokhanti besolcham, that I shall dwell therein. Now, I think it's so important for us to focus on the following note. And that is that, think about it for a moment, how often a Jew came to the Beis HaMikdash. The Beis HaMikdash that was built, the first one, by Shlomo. It was readied by David, and it lasted for 410 years. And then the second Beis HaMikdash that was built by Ezra and Nehemiah, and that lasted for 420 years. And Purim that we're about to celebrate was the vehicle by which we were given authorization to build the second Beis HaMikdash. The Beis HaMikdash, just think, every Yom Tov, Pesach, Shavuos, Sukkos, these are Shalosh Rigolim, three pilgrim festivals. What does that mean? You went to the Beis HaMikdash. The Beis HaMikdash, at that point, number one, was the place where the entire Jewish nation brought their offerings, but it also unified the people around their relationship with Hashem. Every time the Jew came to the Beis HaMikdash, he noted the miracles which were ever present in the Beis HaMikdash. I don't have time to go through them. Turn to the fifth chapter of Avos, the seventh Mishnah, which reads that there were ten miracles which occurred constantly in the Beis HaMikdash. Let's take one that is not as well known, and that is that Okay, what does that mean? That no fly was seen in the place where the meat was slaughtered in the Beis HaMikdash. Now listen carefully, especially in the summer months without screens on a 
constant basis to realize that there are flies all over, except in the base of Migdosh, not just one day, but for hundreds of years. That's it. There's no question about it. Hashem's presence is found. And go back to that Mishnah. You'll see so many more. But it wasn't just Pesach Shavuos and Sukkos that you came to the base of Migdash. The Jew had an obligation in terms of bringing his ma'asros in the first and second, fourth and fifth year of the six years of the Shemitah cycle. So there is, after you've given 2% to Mr. Kohen, Truma, after you've given 10% to Mr. Levi for ma'aser, you gave another 10%, which is called ma'aser sheni, the second tenth that you brought to Yerushalayim. This is such an incredible mitzvah. Think about it for a moment. You are literally, this Torah imposes a vacation. Forget about the fact that the workaholic doesn't want to leave his farm. No, he has to leave his farm. He goes to Yerushalayim. He takes his children with him. He takes food that he is to eat in Yerushalayim or the money that he spends on the food in Yerushalayim. And what does he see in Yerushalayim? We had it in the Dafyomi in Baba Basra just two weeks ago, that the idea of being in Yerushalayim uplifted. He saw the Kohanim, he saw the Sanhedrin, he came to the base of Migdash. This solidified his personal relationship with Hashem. So the base of Migdash, we can say as the Chinuch says often, that Acharei HaPu'ulos Nimshachim HaLevavos, that literally after one's actions does one's hearts and emotions and character develop, the frequency, the reverence that one brought to the Beis Amigdosh on a regular basis had such a powerful, uplifting effect upon the individual. But I think that we have to take it one step beyond that the purpose of the person and going to the Beis Hamikdash was for the Jew to grow in that relationship that he has with Hakadosh Baruch Hu. The idea is that when he came to the Beis Hamikdash, he personally became inspired. He personally became uplifted. And why the Gemara in Megillah, Chav Zayin Amad Aleph, which talks about, unfortunately, coming from the second book of Kings, concerning the destruction of the holy Beis Hamikdash by Nevuzaradin, who was Nebuchadnezzar's general regarding the destruction of the first base of Migdash? It's written, Vayisrof is base Hashem. Literally, he's destroyed, he burnt the house of God, the base of Migdash, this base of Melech, and the palaces, this called Bata Yerushalayim, this called Bayis Godol, Saraf Baesh. What is these big houses that were burnt? 
the Talmud tells us, in the name of Rabbi Yochanan and Rabbi Yeshua ben Levi, what does this mean? What's a bias gadol? Makom shemagadlim bo Torah? A place where Torah is clearly elevated, a place where Torah is studied and uplifted, and a place shemagadlim bo tefillah, a place where prayer is augmented, a place where the individual, as prayer is put in a perspective on a regular basis, it's increased. So too the individual who came to the Beis Hamikdash, he grew in his commitment to Hashem, and this is a very important point because too often. We want to make sure that our children have continued growth in all which they do, that our business has continued growth. However, we too often tend to neglect our own personal growth. Therefore, in the Beis Amigdash, when you came, you grew, and therefore I want to strongly recommend that what do we take away from Parshas Truma? That the Navi Yecheskel teaches that the Botekinesios, the synagogues, are Mikdash Ma'at, they are miniature temples, and just as the Besa Mikdash uplifted then, we must become uplifted by our botekinesios. Might I suggest, one, before you enter the Beis HaMikdash, I'm sorry, the Beis HaKnesses, your synagogue, just as there are some people that properly sow, knock on their own doors before they come in, in order to, listen carefully now, put things in the right perspective. Whatever happened to the office, I'm not bringing home. Let me realize that my wife worked so hard, and let me realize that even if the supper is not perfect, let me be in the right frame of mind. So my knocking on my own door is really talking to myself. So too, when I am privileged to open the door of the shul, don't go right in, stop for a minute. Matovu Alecho Yaakov. Wow, look at the privilege as to where I am. Vani Barov Chazdecha Ovo Secha. It's a privilege for me to come in. It's a privilege for you, Hashem, to allow me to be in your presence. I don't go to Shul Shachris Mincha and Mayrev because I have to. I go to Shul Shachris Mincha and Mayrev because I want to. I want to be in his presence. And I pray that as we honor and show proper reverence for our Bate Knesios, for our synagogues. I'm telling you, not only can't you talk in the shul during davening, but you shouldn't talk in the shul even when they're not davening. That's the kind of yira one is to have of the synagogue, our Mikdash Ma'at, and therefore, as we were privileged then. Vishachanti Bisocham, may we truly be privileged to have an upgrade of Vishachanti Bisocham due to our proper respect in our Mikdash Ma'at. Shabbat Shalom to all.